Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blutville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing our study in the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 13. And we begin at verse 11. For he knew who should betray him, therefore he said, You're not all clean. The commentary verse on verse 10. Verse 12 of chapter 13. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, or truthfully, truthfully, or amen and amen, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. I speak not of you all, I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you, before it come that, when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Now notice there at verse 19, he was telling of his betrayal that was yet to come at the hand of Judas. Now I tell you, before it come that, when it is come to pass, you may believe that I am, and then the word he is inserted in italics, meaning it was not in the original, that you may know that I am, that you may believe that I am. He was saying, I want you to know that I am God. Now why the washing of the feet? He washed the disciples' feet. Now that normally was a task that was done by the humblest of the servants. It was the, the poorest of the servants, the, uh, f the lowest on the rank of the servants. It was a menial task. It was a dirty task. Now there are some who would say that Jesus had waited for some of the disciples to wash one another's feet. and It didn't happen. There are others that say that this was a plan of Christ himself, that there was no servant there to do the washing. And so Christ himself did it. Apparently the disciples were debating who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And they were trying to figure out who was going to be the one in charge. This was an example. This was not a prototype. This was not uh, a precedent. It did not establish an ordinance. 
What he said was, do as I've done unto you. Not do what I've done to you. And I grew up in a church that washed feet. We were a feet-washing church. And I have a deep, deep respect for those that wash feet in their churches. As part of the foot washing. Uh, however, uh, I do not see it as an ordinance of the church. It's not presented as an ordinance of the church. It's presented as an example of how we are in humility to treat one another. It was a lesson on humility and service. It was one that was really needed by those disciples, and unfortunately, it's one that's really needed by us today. So, we have to understand that. Think about it for just a little bit. I don't know if you've been into that kind of situation. I have quite often. Where if you were to be wearing sandals as they wore in those days in a dusty, dirty climate, hot, uh, sometimes it would rain and you get mud uh, in your in your sandals and on your feet. Sometimes it'd just be the dust and dirt. But your feet would be dirty after a day of walking, uh, as these disciples had to do. And to have the feet washed, or bathed, if you will, it was a treat for the feet. And it offered relaxation, as well as cleansing. And so, when you had taken a bath at home, or you were properly cleansed, bathed, uh, before you got out into the world, into the daily grind of the, of the workaday world, uh, your hands and your feet would need to be cleansed, but nothing else. And of course, there was ritual cleansing for the hands, and there was servant cleansing of the feet. This time, it was Christ showing, by example that it was a way of humi uh, in humility treating one another better than yourself. If you know these things, happy are ye that do them, speaking of that being a servant of all. And Christ indeed was a servant of all. And he was the one who was going to be bearing our burden to the cross at Calvary. As I said, there are some groups that see the example of foot washing as a third ordinance of the church. Early Christians did wash feet as an act of hospitality, and we see that in 1 Timothy 5.10. They never practiced it, however, that we can find uh, as a church ordinance. The real meaning of the action was twofold. Washing feet was a slave's work or a servant's work. So Jesus washed the disciples' feet out of humility. Uh, it was an attempt to teach them the principle of servant leadership. And then secondly, foot washing symbolized cleansing. And so it's important that we uh, have renewed fellowship with one another by the cleansing that is a daily action of the Holy Spirit within our lives. And this was an example a human example given by the Lord Almighty. Um, this um, response by Peter, by the way, is very interesting to me. 
when Peter said, uh, not just my feet, but my hands uh, and my head, just wash me all over. Uh, this this was a an absolutely uh, fantastic response, and it's one that we should have in the sense that we want to be clean all over. But Jesus explained it to him. Hey, you just need to take care of what touches the world. You just need to take care of making sure that you're clean every whit. And uh, if you're cleansed in the righteousness of Christ, uh, you'll be okay. It's all taken care of. Verse 21, when Jesus had thus said, this was when he had said, uh, if you receive me, you receive uh, him that sent me. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in his spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Think of the shock that that would have for the disciples. Verse 22, Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. And we know that to be John, the writer of this gospel. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spoke. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, and that's the piece of bread that went into that uh, that uh, hummus or whatever it was that they had there. Um, then when he had dipped it in the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. So the disciples still really didn't understand, even though Christ told them what was going on. He told John who it was that was going to betray him. And he did that uh, with this uh, passing of the morsel of bread. And then he told him what he was going to do to go get it done. The disciples figured that since he was the treasurer and he had the bag, he had the money, that he was going to buy uh, food for them or whatever their necessities were. That's what he was supposed to do for the whole group course that wasn't what he was going to be doing he was going to be betraying the son of god notice he went out and it was night when is uh, the work of uh, evil covered up when it's dark that's why jesus christ is the light of the world he, by his light, sheds light on everything and makes it so that the evil of the world is seen and acknowledged and eradicated. But it was night. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. This is the beginning of the time of trial and then crucifixion. 
Verse 32, If God be glorified in him, God also shall glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. Ye shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, Whither I go, ye cannot come. So I now say to you, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Look at those verses, 34 and 35. Take them to heart. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. What are we to do with fellow believers? We're to love them. As I have loved you, Christ said. How did he love us? Without any restrictions. That ye also love one another. That our love is unrestricted. And that it is complete and whole. It's in the, it's in the universe of believers that we love one another. And this is how we will be known. will be known by the fact that we love one another. Now, is your church known as a church that loves one another? Do you love Christians of other churches, other local assemblies? Are you one that loves Christians, no matter if they're from your church or even from your nation? Now, the question is, one that goes deeper than just sentimentality. We're talking about agape love here. We're talking about God's love. We're talking about the love that Jesus Christ himself had for us that compelled him to go to the cross at Calvary and to die for our sin. That's what we're talking about. Now, notice this is a new commandment from Christ. If this is indeed a commandment, then we are to follow it, are we not? Absolutely. That ye love one another. Then Jesus tells Peter of his denial. Verse 36. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither thou goest? Now remember, Christ had just said, as I told the Jews, where I'm going you can't come. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Did Peter mean this? Was Peter being honest? Absolutely. Absolutely, Peter meant it. Peter was being totally honest, but Peter was not in control even of himself, was he? Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. I will do what is necessary to keep you safe. Verse 38, Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. That's denied me three times.
times. Now here, Christ is telling Peter, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. Now remember, it just turned night. It is just now night. When Judas went out from the Passover meal, it was night. Okay? And here Christ is telling Peter, before the cock crows in the morning, you will deny me three times. It was not only a specific fact that he would deny him, but it was a specific fact as by what time or by what sign that Peter would deny him. He would deny him before the rooster crowed. And it just turned night. So that means you've got until the day, uh, until the day dawns, which is 12 hours or less probably, uh, in that culture. Chapter 14. Christ continues to teach them. And this is in the Passover chamber. He is teaching them the truth of life in Christ, even as he's preparing them for his departure. He says this, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Now, remember, there was no chapter division here when Christ was speaking. He said this, Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He is saying to Peter, he's saying to John, he's saying to those who are gathered there, but he's saying specifically to Peter, don't let your heart be troubled. You're going to deny me, but don't let your heart be troubled. He told him of his denial, but beyond that, he's speaking to all the disciples. He's speaking to Peter, but he's speaking to all the disciples. He lays this foundation by giving comfort and instruction about his departure, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the promise of spiritual power, the promise of prayers that are answered. Uh, all of this is part of what Christ is trying to teach them, having them to learn before he departs. He promises them peace, and he wants them to know his promise of his return. He is coming for his own. And Christ, in this passage of Scripture in John chapter 14, wants to teach all of that. He begins by by encouraging Peter, he tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows, but let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know, Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Now here's the answer, verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Those six verses encapsulate everything that they needed to know 
to be comforted at the departure of their king, at the departure of their Messiah, their Lord, their Master. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Christ in his truth and in his love has gone to prepare that place. And if I go and prepare a place, I'll come for you. I'll come and get you and take you to be unto me. That Where I am, there ye may be also. Because he is the way. Christ is the truth. Christ is the life. And he is the only way for us to have salvation from our sin and to have fellowship with God the Father. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.